Okay, I'm going to read from three different uh, portions in scriptures. I'm going to read from Titus, uh, the second chapter. But preceding Titus is 1 Timothy. And, and as God has taught us through the scriptures, 1 Timothy has to do with how to function in, in God's order in the local assembly. How, that, how we should function. And of course, how we should function as individuals in the local assembly is brought out by the truth that we have in Ephesians, the first three chapters. Of course, and then by the time we get to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, then we need to know how we should function in God's order. And that's what 1 Timothy, the epistle, is teaching us. The second epistle, as we progress, the second epistle in Timothy is how the individual each individual can function in order in a local assembly in the midst of disorder. So 1 Timothy has to do with God's order and how to function. 2 Timothy has to do with how to function in the midst of disorder still in God's order. And this is very, very vital, especially where we are right now in church history and the things that are coming down uh, with force for even those that have been well instructed. So then we get to Titus, and here is Titus, chapter 2 and verse 1. This is what it says, But speak you, speak you, and if you want to see, but speak you the things which become very helpful teaching, sound doctrine, where it says health, sound doctrine is helpful teaching. reason is, it's just prior to that, in Titus 1, 15 and 16, this is what we see. Unto the pure, all things are pure. That means us in Christ. We see things purely, or we see purely who we are in Christ through having his mind in 1 Corinthians 2, in verse 16. That mind is expressed in a beautiful detail in Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any praise, and there is, if there be any virtue, and of course there is, then think, think on these things. And so we're learning how to think right now in the midst of disorder, but we can still function as individuals in God's order. That's what pure is. And then we see things that even that are not pure, but we still understand them through the light and the purity of what God says about them through the word, by Christ, by the Holy Spirit. And that's why, again, Titus 1.15, unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind, and then as a result, their conscience is defiled. Of course, for us in Christ in Hebrews 10, 1 through 10, our conscience and our position is absolutely pure in Christ. In the true character, and in a proper image of what we are, who we are, in his light, in 1 John 1 and verse 7. But here it says, But unto them, them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their conscience is defiled. They profess. Notice they don't have a proper confession. There's a big difference between a profession, a profession, I can profess, I can declare something to be true, but not experience it. 
Confession is a proper experience based upon proper character, who we are in Christ. They profess in Titus 1.16 that they know God, but in works, in their behavior, their conduct, and what they do, they deny him, being abominable and disobedient. We wouldn't think, would we think that our, obe- our disobedience would be anything less than abominable in his sight? Ooh, but it's not who we are, but we can function that way. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work where it says reprobate, which means just simply disqualified. We become disqualified. Uh, they are because they're not born again. We would be if we function in the flesh. We'll never be disqualified in our position. Now, Titus 2 verse 1 says this, but, and that but separates the latter part of Titus 1.15 and 16. But, in contrast, separated from this, you speak things which become sound doctrine, helpful teaching, that the aged men be what? Sober. Be sober. Okay? Be very, very sober. In other words, be, be very healthy and healthful in their dependence on Christ. To be very healthful and dependent. Boy, are these things, if they were ever needed, if they were needed in Paul's day, when he wrote these things and when he wrote them, they were active in his day. For instance, in 1 John 2, 18, it says, even now, right now, and that was early first century when the Holy Spirit had John, the beloved apostle, write 1 John. When he wrote that, it was early first century. He said, even now, there are many antichrists. <laughs> and an antichrist, believe me, it's just not some big, ugly person. It can be that, but it can be very subtle. Very, 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 very subtle. And so, even now, he said, there are many antichrists. Why? Because they, they went out from us in 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us because they were not of us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us because if they had been, they would have continued with us. This is true. That's true. There's a multitude of unsaved people functioning in so-called churches today. Then there are believers Believers who function in the flesh, God doesn't see them that way, okay, but he'll lovingly correct them, he will correct all of us, that will go out from us because they're not of us in a, in a proper experience. They're, they're not less the body, they're not enemies, we, we, we love them, and we should pray for them and correct them if they're intreatable. But they were not of us. But you speak the things, those healthy things, that the aged men may be very helpful in their dependence, very grave, and that word means very discreet, temperate, self-control, goes into the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and then sound, know how to think clearly through healthy thinking in faith, dependence, then in love, a self-sacrificial love, and then in patience. The aged woman likewise that they be in their conduct, their outward conduct, may it manifest their true character and holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. 
that they may teach the young women to also be helpful thinking as they learn by the conduct of those that are older than them to love their husbands and to love their children. This is why we teach a woman never has an outward public ministry out going to all different places teaching other women. She has a place in a local assembly with women and children, period. Period. And there's no specific ministry that a woman has, even a specific teaching ministry outside of a local assembly. Just doesn't have it. It's no place in the scriptures at all. That they may teach the young women to be also helpful thinkers and to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, pure. Keepers at home. Notice this, this is the word of God telling women what they should do. Keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands. And of course, in Colossians 3 and verse 18, and Ephesians 5, verse 25, and, and 22 to 25 in Ephesians, as is fit in the Lord. Okay, as is fit, as they operate and, and function properly, as the husbands function properly in proper initiation, they should obey. But even when the, the initiation is not right, they can still not react. They can still have Christ be their head until he corrects the husband to get him back into a proper place of proper initiation. So there's never any excuse for disobedience for any of us because Christ has covered it. So, again, okay. So, look at women. Again, it's talking about women. And, of course, men, headship first and foremost. Be obedient to their own husbands. That, they, that the word of God be not blasphemed. It's not just their obedience to their husbands to not be blasphemed, but to have their proper place in the home in a local assembly so it's not blasphemed. Oh, boy. Young men, likewise, to be sober-minded. To be sober-minded. In all things, showing themselves a pattern of godly works. The work that Christ is in them. In teaching, in doctrine. Showing that that is, that is not corruptible. Being in gravity. Being held in a proper place and viewing things properly in the light of the Scriptures and redeeming the time in Ephesians 5.16. And sincerity, openness before God and before men. In all things, showing yourself a pattern. Sound speech. What is sound speech? Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, thus you don't grieve, put out, the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4.30. So what is corrupt communication? Anything that's not of grace. Anything that's not of the grace and truth that Christ is, is absolutely corrupt. <laughs> that's according to the scriptures. Ephesians 4.29 and 30. Sound speech. Titus 2.8. That cannot be condemned. Notice that. Now, is, does God condemn us now that we're in Christ? Romans 8.1. No. What would condemn the believer functioning in the flesh in Romans 8, 4? But God doesn't do it. But if I can be condemned, and that's my communication, then could it affect someone else? Hopefully, they'll still function in Christ. That sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part 
may be ashamed. No said. Now, we, we would be, be ashamed in who we are in Christ. No. Is there any shame in the flesh? Yes. And there's where Christ wants us out and through the word. Having no evil thing to say of you. Notice that? No evil thing. No evil report. Exhort servants to be obedient in whatever their workplace is unto their masters, those are their bosses, and to please them well in all things. Not answering again. Gosh, you ever hear that as a child? Your, your parent told you something to do and you wanted to disagree and, they, and you would say it and they say, don't answer me back. <laughs> That's what this is saying. Answering again. Not purloining but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God and Savior, our Savior in all things. Now, here's, the, here's what grace always does. For the grace of God that brings this salvation, that brings salvation, and continually does so, according to Philippians 2.12 and 13, work out your own salvation, your own personal salvation. No one else can do that but you and Christ. Work out your own salvation. From the time you got saved, your whole Christian life. Work out your own salvation, and it works out properly through reverence and a trembling at the word. If you want to see trembling, look at Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. For it is God in 2.13 of Philippians, which works in you both to will through a submitted will, then to do of his good pleasure, which, of course, that pleasure is found only in Christ in John 8, verse 29, and Romans 15, and verse 3. And so, for that grace of God that brings salvation will not only appear to you, but it will appear through you to all that you come in contact with, to all men. Because whatever our conduct is, whatever we express, is teaching. Very careful who we should be with and what we call fellowship. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live sober, soberly, thinking how to think, righteously and godly in this present world. What is this present world? Very evil. Looking for. What are we to do while we're on this earth, while we're growing in grace and thinking properly? Is our view horizontal, everything here? No, look what our view is. It's vertical. Looking upward for that blessed hope, Christ, the glorious appearing of the great God who is our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. He not only did everything, but he gives himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, every area where the will would function in sin apart from him, and purify unto himself a very, very, very special, peculiar people that would be on fire for his good works to be manifested in and through them. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise you. That's Titus. Okay? That is Titus. And what we can see there clearly are some amazing things when we think about it. When we think about it. Do you remember what Jesus said? Where your treasure is, store it up, or moth and rust won't corrupt. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. 
21, he said, for wherever your treasure is, there will your heart, the thing you want most and your mostly desire is, there will your heart be, your whole mind, your whole thing about you, there will your heart be also. If your eye is single towards Christ, towards the light of the scriptures about who he is, if your eye is single, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye be evil, are we evil in our position? No. Can we function in, in our experience? Yes. If your eye be evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And then if the light be in you, be darkness. How great is that darkness? 623, 624. No man, none of us can serve two masters. We're either mastered by Christ or by the enemy. And every thought, word, and deed, everything. Every single thing about us. And so here we see this reality, these realities here. Again, the beauty of the scriptures, the beauty of them. Now, 2 Peter, the first chapter. 2 Peter, the first chapter. Verse 19. We, us, all of us that are in Christ, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. We need to understand prophecy. Prophecy has to do with, with what God foresaw in eternity past that would happen on the earth. He's already seen it. His plan has already dealt with it, and it's being worked out right now. Prophecy. Things foretold. Prophecy. We, though, have a more sure word of prophecy. I used to have a, uh, one woman, she used to ask me, when you teach all these things about Christ and the epistles and so forth, what about the rest of the whole Old Testament? There's plenty in there for us to learn from. Plenty. And it's all prophetic. And we need to know it. Yes. It was written for our benefit. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6 and 11. It was absolutely written. And in Romans 16... Uh, four and five, and so forth. It was written for our admonition, our, inherit, our encouragement, and our learning and our growth. We have a more sure, we, all, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Where unto you, that's each of us right now in this dispensation of grace, this church age, you, that's individual folks, very individual, you do well. That you take heed. Can I do that for you? Can you do that for me? That you take heed as unto a light that shines in a what? A dark place. If the light that be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? The angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. He has his ministers in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 11. Does. A light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn. The day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture, no, none of it, is of any private interpretation. You would not believe the private interpretations that I know, precious men that I know by name and know them. Now teach completely opposite. No rapture, nothing. 
Judaism and the church and everything, it's all the same. And we're all going through the tribulation. All of this and teaching it, teaching it, teaching Robbing first Christ of what he accomplished, his very person and the very, very works and plan that he finished for us. Eliminate it all. Every bit of it. And teach it like they have authority. Very bad. Very bad. Very sad. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation. Why? Because the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Teach bad things. You know why? You, you know why? You don't have intimacy with Christ. You teach cold, wrong theology and doctrine. Not by the day star, that light that Christ is, but another light to rob the true light, Christ, and to rob it in us. For the prophecy came not in old time or at any other time by the will of man, but holy men of God, notice they were of God. What they said was of God, wasn't of themselves. Spoke as they were moved by God the Holy Spirit. Okay? And where are we right now? And we have all of this in Christ, by the way. We have, we have, what we are is so incredible. What we have is so incredible in Christ. And yet most, most Christians, and sometimes us when we live in disobedience, don't even function in it. And we miss it. And when, we, when our view is no longer vertical, looking for him as our all, then everything on earth horizontally takes its place. Everything loses its taste about Christ. We lose his taste and then start having a taste for things on the earth. We do. No wonder it says in Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Again, it's, it's spoken of in 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. But those that taste right are those that first in Psalm 34 and verse 2 hear right because they've been humbled. You teach wrong things and you become your own authority and self-interpreter through pride and a lack of humility. And not only do you experience this, this, the deception of destruction and denial, but you rob countless others of the glory of the person of Christ in them and the work that he has finished for those individuals. <laughs> oh boy. Where are we in church history? This is where we are. This is where we are. This is Revelations chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, And unto the angel of the church, the messenger, the angel of the church, of the Laodiceans write. Remember, this angel is not an angel uh, that is a six-winged seraphim. It is not a four-winged cherubim at all. It's not those seraphims in Isaiah the sixth chapter is the only place where they're mentioned. And then the other is, is the cherubim. They're mentioned in Ezekiel, the first chapter, the tenth chapter, and Revelations, the fourth chapter. They are cherubims. But these are the angels because the message was given to human beings. <laughs> Do you remember when, they, when Peter was in jail in the book of Acts and they prayed and God actually answered their prayers and he was knocking on the door? of the gate saying, let me in. And then the, the little girl went and saw him, went and told the others and said, that can't be him, he's in jail. You must have seen his angel. That's his human spirit. 
you must have seen the Spirit. You must have seen that. Finally, they went. You know, God answered prayer. What a shock. Do you ever get shocked when God answers your prayer? Oh, <laughs> good. I'm looking forward to some shocks myself. <laughs> I like being shocked. But we, we should be surprised that he would answer our prayers on earth when he's taking care of our eternal destiny and giving himself for us. So Revelations 3, verse 14, the angel of the church. Unto the angel of the church. Each individual. Each individual. We stand or fall before him, before Christ. Of the Laodiceans, these things says the Amen. This is Christ. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Who's, his true be- who's the true beginning of God's creation of humanity? It's Jesus Christ and you and I in him. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Some will teach this as the loss of salvation, which it clearly is not, based upon John the 6th chapter in verses 37 to 39, based upon John, the 10th chapter, verses 28 and 29, based upon Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14. Whatsoever God does, he does forever. He doesn't cast anybody out. They didn't, they didn't work their way in. They got there by grace, and they can't work their way out. <laughs> Thank God for that. First John 5, 18, the wicked one touches us not. Position. That's why he goes after experience. This speaks of fellowship, the deep desire that he has to have intimacy with us. Remember, I think, I forget when we, when God had us put it on, you know, the, the teaching of his word. When we don't have intimacy, all we're left with is cold theology and works and busy. You know, Christians that get overwhelmed with busy things like Martha said that one right in Luke 10 38 to 42 she's in the kitchen all irritated in her service wondering why she doesn't have help in her irritation while she serves while Mary's at his feet when you don't have intimacy you need to get involved with other things trust me a Christian that does not have continual intimacy with Christ has to get involved with all kinds of other things to try and replace what's irreplaceable that's why he had to give himself to us. So that's what that's saying in three, uh, 3.16 of Revelations, lukewarm. It's just, it, there's no fellowship. Because you say, I am rich. I am rich and increased with goods, material wealth and all this other things, and so-called spiritual wealth. <laughs> increased with goods and have need of nothing. I don't need anything. I don't need... I'm so busy horizontally with things. My life is so well set. I don't need intimacy with Christ. It's everything else. It's this emotional thrill. Oh boy, help us, Lord. Well, you say you are describing to me you have need of nothing. And you, in my sight, don't know that you are wretched. You're wretched. Your, your experience. These are born-again believers, by the way. But your experience is not your proper position because Christ is not your all. He's not. 
So you don't know how wretched you truly are and miserable and poor and blind, hardened to intimacy and naked, not covered, open to every other doctrine that comes down the pipe. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be truly rich. True treasure, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. True treasure, or it's hidden, Colossians 2 and verse 3. True treasure. And white raiment. White raiment, you will understand that. Uh, you can see that when we understand Revelations 2 and verse 17, Revelations 3 and verse 5. We can see that with those scriptures clearly. The white raiment, you, you have that. And, and, and you will see that in Romans 8 verse 18 also. And the preparation of suffering to prepare us for our white raiment for all eternity. And how beautiful that is. And that, uh, that what? And white raiment that you may be clothed experientially too, obviously, for Christians. That the shame of your nakedness does not appear. Who does it appear to? First, God. And to others. Even when I miss it. Here's what love does. As many as I love. This is why we teach chastisement is love. And not anger and punishment. As many as I love, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, Hebrews 12, 4, right through the 29th verse. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Because I am standing right now at the door of the individuals. Each individual. If any man, see, it's individual. Hear my voice. Hear my voice and open the door of the will. The will. It opens from the inside. He's not pulling it open. He doesn't violate the will. I will come to him and will sup with him. Intimacy, fellowship, and he with me. Then he'll overcome. And he will, I will grant, even now, to sit with me and rule and reign on this throne. But even in the future, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Why does it say that? Because does he have his throne right now, millennial reign on the earth, where we will rule and reign with him? Not yet, but it will happen. But we can still rule. We can still rule as he sits at his father's throne. And we have a father in that experience also. He that has an ear, he that has a hearing and submitting will, let him submit. Hear what the Spirit says unto the church, by the way. Church. There is so much that goes on. Laodicea. Here's what we said, Laodicea. Laodicea is Laodikeia in the Greek, Laodicea. And let me tell you what that word is. It's a compound of the Greek word leos, L-A-O-S. It's a compound of that particular word, and it means people. It's a populace. It is a mass of people. The second word is dike, D-I-K-E, and it means right. In other words, what is right, or in other words, what is right in the eyes of the people as opposed to God. <laughs> That's the whole world system. That's all this bad teaching that I see. A lot, of, a lot of good teaching, but a lot of bad teaching on certain places where you go. That's why I, that's why I say spend time in the Word more than on certain things where you can get on your phone. <laughs> Have a prayer life, you know, and get your nose in your Bibles way more than doing this. <laughs> Seriously. 
things are far more serious than games and appetites and favorite colors and what people ate and, and uh, where they went and all their poses. And I don't even get it. I, I honestly don't even get it. There's a lot of things I don't get and that I am getting in my teaching too, by the way, in my submission. Just want to make that crystal clear. So it's made up of Laodicea is a people who in their own eyes say what is right. And it always leads to vengeance. Read James, the fourth chapter, and those first four verses. See, God's given us the scriptures for us to read (laughs) and spend time in the book as opposed to a plethora of other things that grab our attention. And the enemy just makes us satisfied with just a little. Fill the thimble and that's enough. (laughs) And then go away from the ocean that's waiting for us. Okay. Proverbs 21 and verse 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the heart, the mind, and the emotions. Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, lead. Result? Lay not to your own understanding. What if I don't have the preciseness of the scriptures in my mind? Trust in the Lord with all your mind. Then you won't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. View is vertical. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Oh, how many are so wise? God, help us. But reverence the Lord and depart from evil because it will be like health unto your navel. You can't supply yourself and marrow to your bones. You don't have any, we didn't have anything to do with that. Neither do we outside of him. When we were a baby in the womb, we didn't have anything to do with that. You'll see it again in Proverbs 12 and verse 15, their own ways. You'll see it in 16, verse 12 of Proverbs, and 17, verse 24. We'll see this brought out. But again, this Laodicea is composed of two words united, meaning the right or the judgment of the people. Satan wants people's rights that they derive from him to be in contrast and to fight God's right. Who's right? (laughs) Who has the final say? You read Proverbs, the 16th chapter, read it, and you'll see that in the whole preponderance of that chapter, you'll see who has his own way. And that's why all judgments given to Christ in John 5 and verse 22, because he is the way. In 14, 6 of John, the truth and the life. So, again, what we saw, what we saw there is incredible. And what we do see today is unbelievable. The stuff that comes down the pipe, the stuff that's on certain places where people get on their computers and phones and look at and take it in, think, they, think they're sufficient to blow it off, but it goes in. And now you have to deal with it. The unbelievable, instead of functioning in the word, this only sufficient guard against those rationalist dreams of old, <laughs> this illusion and delusion 
and the still more prevalent misapplication of even so-called tradition that makes empty the word of God in Mark 7, verse 13, even comparatively so different than orthodox. Some people think, yeah, at some point before Christ raptures us, the, the, the world's going to be a better place. That is the false dream of a rationalist, honestly, and a believer that is absolutely doesn't have proper teaching. Just doesn't. And is left to every wind of doctrine. You, you know, no, no proper assembly. But you don't have proper assembly. What you're open to is Ephesians 4 and verse 13. Subject to every wind of doctrine. Meaning, if you don't have a guard a wall up of the scriptures, it's got to pass through your mind. Now you have to deal with it. Very confusing. Very confusing in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, of which God is not the author, but he is of life and peace and in a specific order in 1440 of 1 Corinthians, uh, the 14th chapter. So we're going to wrap this up. And here it is. And don't, and don't forget, sometimes it takes a while to wrap those presents. Because we, we want to put a bow on it, too. We, again, in 2 Peter 1 and verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And because of that, we do well to take heed. Because we have a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns, that's growing in grace and truth, in 2 Peter 3.18. And the day star begins to arise in our heart, and he's above everything in us. More than a conqueror, Romans 8.37. Far more. And so the dark place. Where does the word come from? One man of God that I read the other day, or was it this morning? I can't remember. It says dark, it means it's squalid. We have this light, the light that Christ is within us. We have it right within us, right within us, and it's a dark place. What is the dark place? It's Satan's kingdom right now. It's where Jesus was, where he walked. In John 17, in verse 14, he said, I am not of this world, okay? I am not of this world, and neither are we that are his in John 17, verse 16. We're not of this world. When nothing about us is to look like this world, not a single thing. Nothing about us is like that. Nothing. So he, we have this word right in this dark place. And he said, he said, yes, it's squalid. And I said, squalid. Boy, let me look that word up, squalid. This is what it means. Jesus came into this world. That's John 1.9. He's the light that came into this world that gives every man the right to receive that light. Not that they had it, like the Quakers and the Friends and all these other ridiculous cultic teaching will teach you that there was still some good in man that, that, that God himself could relate to, Christ, which is absolute nonsense. It's not what that verse says at all in the original. At all. None. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3 and verse 23. All. Everyone. Every single one of us. Squalid means foul and repulsive. Imagine that. The pure Son of God came into this dark place. Squalid. Foul. Repulsive. As lack of care. Lack of cleanliness. Remember Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. 
neglected. How many Christians function that way? Filthy. Not that we are in a position, we're not. There's no spot in us. We're all fair in Song of Solomon 4.7. But what does the enemy want to do to the experience when we're not taught? Filthy, wretched, miserable, degraded, sordid. That's what the squalid, dark. Came right into the dark place. Scotia, of course, is the Greek word, without getting into it. But here, dark, here, is Achmeros. Achmeros. Okay, A-U-C-H-M-E-R-O-S. Achmeros, from the word Achmos in the Greek. And this is what it means, dust. Dust that's dried up. Christians, okay? You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 25? He said, my soul is cleaving to the dust. When you don't have teaching, your soul, your self-conscious capacity cleaves to the dust. What do you suppose the enemy, who is the reptile, feeds on in Genesis 3 and verse 14, the dust of humanity? Without getting into the details, boy, because we don't have the time on this, but again, dust, it means dust, dried up, no proper teaching. So we don't experience the reality of the treasure that we have in us. We don't function properly in our experience because we don't have proper position. We don't know it, never been taught it, but yet it's ours. Dust. It's like dust. Listen to what it says. Dust. As dried up by the wind. Do you remember what he said in Hosea? He told Hosea to say to, the Israel, to his people, Ephraim has joined himself unto idols. Let him alone. Why? Because her, their, her wings are caught up in the wind. Who's the prince and power of the air? That's, a, that's Hosea 4.19. Who's the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2.2? 2? It's a devil with a vast army that's constantly projecting lies. That's why we need that, that shield in Ephesians 6.16 where all the truths about who we are in Christ, to put on Christ, but then we need that shield to continue to go forward. Thank God in 6.15 of Ephesians, we do have him as our peace that guides us to go through. But we need right teaching. We need a whole shield to protect us from those fiery missiles of hell, those lies that consume people, that believers that get them confused. I just think of so many. Now, all we have to do is just ask them. I would ask certain people, if you think this way, would you like to have some teaching? How about that? And maybe you can't do it. But maybe you can tell them where they can get it. Dried up by the wind. Properly speaking, that word means dirty. You know what the enemy, he wants to convince Christians? You're dirty. You can't ever know because that's you. You can't know this. You're not worthy of this. When the fact of the matter is, our worth has nothing to do with it. Christ made us worthy. And he, is he not worthy of us to receive it? <laughs> what if I don't know it? What if I don't? It also means, by implication, to be obscure, to walk in darkness. How many Christians in a 
in Ephesians 4 and verse 18, my Tiotes, they function in shadows because they don't know light. They know enough. They know enough of light, but it's still a shadow because they, don't, they haven't continued and don't have a full experience in the light through proper teaching. And so what? They're, everything's obscure to them. They can't really know for sure. They can't. And it's from the base of the Greek word A-E-R. A-E-R, air. And literally, listen, that word is from the Greek word A-E-M-I, and it means to breathe, but to do it unconsciously. We have the breath of the Scriptures. God breathed in 2 Peter, uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And it means to respire or by analogy to blow. In other words, the air that I breathe in, if it's clean, I'll breathe out clean air, pure. But if I don't, I breathe in bad air, bad teaching, world, everything about me is the world. I breathe that in, that's what I breathe out. The enemy always tempts us not to walk in love and obedience through the scriptures, but he tempts us and wants to convince us that if we have certain things, we'll be satisfied. But he knows that those things won't fulfill your desire. They will only inflame bad desire and keep you in bondage. It also means to be surrounded or to, to, to have this, the atmosphere in your thinking to surround you and encompass you and keep you in dark shadows and keep you in absolute darkness. I know countless this way. And of course, only because of the grace and truth and the light of the scriptures, as I as an individual, and then we all submit ourselves in humility so that his grace can make that adjustment and take us outside of darkness in our experience and into a proper light where we have proper worship. So again, our sight, instead of being gloomy, we need to keep our eyes up. <laughs> we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. We're just barely, barely touching this again this morning in so many different ways. So many different ways. But you wouldn't believe when it's not truth. Listen, when it's not truth, and I don't know it, and I don't know the difference, and I go by something other than truth, even in my ignorance, the reality is there is a deadly hostility behind it. The enemy seeks whom he may devour, slaughter, slaughter. God does care for us. I know it precisely. And we're all growing in it, First Peter 5, 7. But if I don't know how and where to cast those cares based upon the scriptures, the enemy, we have an adversary. He seeks whom? The individual that he may, the Christian, that he may devour. Slaughter, tear him to shreds. Does it, tries it all the time. Tries it all the time. It's very deadly. Very, 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 very deadly. And we need to function in the reality of who we are in Christ with his authority, with that authority that is himself. And we need to hear and, and uh, hear in such a beautiful way the, these truths and these realities that are ours.
There's so many lies by so many so-called scholars, and honestly, it's why I teach it. No human being, even with a gift as a scholar or a theologian, it's God, the Holy Spirit himself, period. He is the one that does it. You can see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10 through 16. It's the Holy Spirit who's the teacher, who's the scholar, who can reveal the mind of Christ to us. He's the one. And he brings out these clear, crystal clear testimonies of him who is the faithful, God, the faithful and true witness. The faithful and true witness. We're going to have to close it here very, very quickly. fact of the matter is, if I call myself a Christian, if I actually believe that, I profess, and I confess that the world has cast out Christ as the crucified Son of God. But still that grace goes on in and through us. In and through us. And so, Father, I just pray in this short little thing here. Oh, God, I just pray you just teach us and give us a capacity. I I pray right now, Lord, that you would give us a capacity so that we could continue in a depth that want these things to desire them and to not be distracted in Hebrews 12, too. We can become, honestly, any of us, without condemnation or accusation, We are so easily distracted from even a proper desire for these things that are ours in Christ. The very means of him being glorified and us being blessed in him, we get so distracted, the enemy. Look away from all that would distract. Bad teaching, no teaching, plans for the day. Whatever could occupy me in a split second to get me away from concentrating on the precious word of God and thinking that I may have further opportunity when I might not. Look away from all that would distract unto Jesus so he can continue to lead you through. So, so, th- so that depression, anxiety, bad thoughts, bad thoughts, Feelings, bad emotions don't lead us. We need to know how to function precisely. And Father, that's my prayer for us all here in this local assembly, that you would cause an intense hunger and starvation for those things to be taught, for us to, to receive that teaching and preciseness so that can enter into a depth of fellowship with you for all eternity, God. Please, God, I just pray for all of us to put away whatever it is. I don't care. Even if those things aren't bad in themselves, if they interfere and take us away from you, Lord, even those things that you mean to bless us, you never meant to give us certain things to occupy us in a distraction from you. Please, Lord, we don't have to stay simple. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that that your capacity, okay, is what it is and you can't go beyond that. This is all of ours. Everything is ours. It may not be ours in the way that we want to get it ourselves, but it is ours in God's way, in God's order. That's why we come together to hear the word that's so important today. It's so extremely important today so that we function properly in your love 
And when we do function in your presence and in your love, we function in a protection that gives us a joy. And even when that joy is up and down, we know we have settled peace with you. So thank you, Father, so much. In Jesus' name, amen.